The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. I'm Pastor Matt, so if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. As Adam said, uh, if you'd fill out one of those connect cards, we just wanna use that to connect with you, and I know how frustrating and how challenging it can be to find a church. I've been through that, and um, uh, if you wanna share some war stories, man, we we need to hook up, but uh, um, we just wanna get some information to you about who we are, and then I also wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our volunteers for an incredible Easter, so can I give you a hand? Um, Thank you, guys. It was, uh, it was overwhelming. It was the largest Easter we've ever experienced. Um, I mean, we're only five years old, but um, for the last five years, every Easter is like the biggest Easter. And so um, it's, it was incredible. So I want to thank all of our team, uh, those who were parking and, and greeting and our worship team and our kids team. We have an incredible children's ministry team and I, I love them. I love their heart. Um, here's what I, I love about our children's ministry team is they look out for each other because it's easy for that to kind of become a whole and like the, the, the volunteers go in and you never see them again. Um, our team takes care of themselves. Like Pastor Tammy gets to actually come in and listen to a teaching today um, and she's got an incredible team. So your kids are fine. They're not back there playing Lord of the Flies. Um, so they're all fine. You know, she didn't just drop candy in the middle of the room and go, see ya. Um, so uh, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for our team. A um, couple things going on in the life of the church. I w- I'm gonna challenge you guys. I've been doing this and it's, it's, it's been awesome. Um, but we have a, a couple in our church, um, Joe and Eva Legalbo, and they have a, a faith-based m- uh, fitness ministry. And on campus, Monday through Friday, we're doing a boot camp. It's called Heavenly Bodies Boot Camp. And uh, it's almost like Heavenly boot, Booty Kicking Boot Camp. I don't know. I, I could hardly move this week. I'm just saying. But um, I'll post it on Facebook. It's, uh, it's Heavenly Bodies Boot Camp, and it's Monday through Friday. And if, if you're crazy, they have a 5.30 a.m. class, okay? If you're normal... They have a 9 a.m. class, and it's an hour. It's a lot of fun. You can build some community with other people, work out, um, sweat together. And, and I do it just so I can continue my eating habits. You know, I'm, I'm already in just like, I'm in top physical fine-tuned shape, and you're seeing how much of a liar I am right now. Um, I just like working out because that means I continue to eat what, what I have been eating. And uh, 20% of all the proceeds that they uh, make uh, this month go to our Creek Missions program. And so if you want some information on that, you can see me. I want to challenge that. Q-Fest is coming up. That's awesome. That's why I work out, you know, so I can eat all the stuff because there's going to be more food than we know what to do with. Uh, if you cook and you want to help bring some sides, those sides are listed on a table out there. Um, it's like beans and ice and drinks and plates and all that fun stuff. So no man, no casseroles, okay? This is a casserole-free environment. Um, <laughs> that's baggage, I'm sorry. If you know me, I grew up in church and Sunday night potluck was just, <laughs> um, okay, I'm back. Um, but then, um, and then for our men, uh, in a week and a half, we're doing a men's camp out in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, there's hiking, uh, fishing, and, and it's just, it's an incredible time. You can go up on Thursday. I'm going up Thursday, and several guys are. We're coming back on Saturday. If you want to come up on Friday, come up on Friday. If you need to come up Thursday and go home Friday. Look, it's, this is guys, okay? We're not going to get all crazy in it. It's just, it's Thursday to Friday. Show up when you can. 
Leave when you need to. That's how it is. It's going to be a great time because we, we guys, we get to have fun around the campfire. We don't get to do this in our backyard fire pits. You know, this is where we, we bond. You know, we play games like, will this burn, you know? <laughs> and a Diet Coke can will burn, just so you know, FYI. So if you want more information, you can sign up out there. Um, so uh, also, the last thing I want to say is uh, we've, got, we've got a little girl in our church, Kaya Wagner. She'll be one on ne- next Saturday, next Sunday. And uh, when she was born, she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And uh, if you don't know anything about this disease, it's, 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 it's very difficult, um, very expensive on a medical front. And so uh, they are doing, um, so her family and friends are, have put together a 5K or walk and run. I will be walking it, Okay. Uh, I work out, but I'm not built for speed, so I'll, I'll walk it. If you're crazy and want to run it, <laughs> have at it, man. But it's uh, 9 o'clock next Saturday at Bachman Lake, and I'm going to post the information on my Facebook. I put it on there. I'll repost it if you want If you if you want to do that. Um, that's just, and it's not obligated. I just want to throw it out there because she always comes to the first service, and she's in a baby carrier, and she's always making faces at me, and, and, and we connect, okay? We connect. And so I just want to do that for her. Um, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be back in our series on identification. Last week, um, we, we, we talked about uh, Easter and spent time celebrating the resurrection. And, and here's what I believe is, is we, as Christ followers, should celebrate that resurrection every day. Because that resurrection brings life to us. That has brought transformation to us. And when we enter into that relationship with God then it, it means we live this resurrection power life. And so we should celebrate that every day. We're back in Romans. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Romans. That's the way I like to teach because that keeps us all accountable to the context of Scripture. Um, it also keeps us accountable to teach the entirety of Scripture and to wrestle through it. If it's difficult, we'll wrestle through it together. If it's fun, we're going to have fun with it. And so that I believe that God has given us scripture in context, so I like to do that. Um, Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the cabinets in the back. If you don't own one, write your name in that. That's our gift to you. And uh, if you've got a smartphone, you can follow us on a free app called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. And uh, we put the notes on there. Once you download that app, there's a little tab called Live and you just put in the Creek Church, and it'll come up with all of our note sheets. Uh, so if you're digital savvy like that, you can follow us along. Chapter 8's answering argument that um, chapter 7 put out there. Oh, I just realized I forgot one other thing while you're turning to Romans chapter 8. See if I can find it. Adam forgot this in his announcement, so I'm covering his back. These are the Creek uh, bumper stickers or the car stickers we've got. And right, don't worry, right now we've got a team of volunteers going through the parking lot, putting one on every car in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Them's fighting words right there. Um, <laughs> Adam said in the first service, he goes, I like to put it on my guitar, my guitar case. The reason being, he's a terrible driver. Um, but uh, I, put, I put one on mine, and I'll change it out with a new one. Um, but I'm going to confess something to you. If you see me on 820, this will be in my back window, and you'll see it, the big C. If you see me on 35, my truck has this trick. The rear window rolls down. So if you see me on 35, that bad, that bad boy's out of sight, okay? Because I've got to make it three lanes in a very short amount of time, and it's crazy. So if I, if I have ever hurt you in that way, I'm sorry. Um, and when I get off on my exit, it'll come back up. And I'll be like, Jesus loves you, you know? Um, so 
I'm just trying to be a good representative of the, the, the kingdom, right? I, I, don't, I don't get angry. I just, you know, sometimes I gotta, I gotta hit the gas and, and get over quickly. But um, they're out there in the lobby anyway. It's Romans chapter eight, Paul's answering the question of, uh, can I do anything good? And in chapter seven, the whole thing, theme centered around, can I do anything good? Does, does good exist in me? And, and when I try to do good, evil's still present. So even when I think about doing something good, there's still evil in me. And so really it boils down to this. God, can I do anything good? And he goes into this process of going, I'm just exhausted from this battle because the things I know I should be doing, I don't do. And the things I know I shouldn't be doing, that's what I'm drawn to. And I'm just exhausted from this. In chapter six, Paul's giving us this argument and asking this question, how can I stop doing the bad things? And I think a lot of times in Christianity, that's what we get wrapped up in. How do I stop doing these bad things, God, because I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling all this pressure, and, and how do I do anything good? And Paul brings it into Romans 8 so beautifully, and you've got to understand the context of, of Scripture. Romans, we say it's a book. Originally, it was a letter written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, and it was written to first century Christians in Rome. That's why it's called Romans. And what would happen is the church would receive this and wherever they gather, whether it be in somebody's home or if they gather in a public place, they would get this letter and go, hey, we got a letter from Paul. And so they would gather around and they would read this in its entirety. And you would get the entire context of the scripture. Now, in our, I don't know why we've gotten away from that because here's what I think is, is we got to go through this in context, but I want to study this because Romans 8 is so full of, uh, of doctrine and so full of of, of information, but it's so full of transformation. I mean, there, there is life-giving transformation that happens through Scripture. And, and we've spent 16 weeks now in the book of Romans, and so we're getting to a point where Paul's gonna answer some of these arguments. And, and I hope that today, many of you, it's been longer than 16 weeks you've been wrestling with this, of how do I stop doing this, and how do I, how do, I do this? And that might have been your entire life. You might have grown up in church and you've still carried that baggage. Or maybe you're brand new to this and I I pray for something just new for you today. In Romans chapter eight, Paul really talks about this idea of being in Christ. And we've got to understand that the book was written to Christians. It was written to people who are in Christ. And what that means is, uh, to be in Christ is I have a relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so when we approach this, uh, let me help you understand what it means to be in Christ. Um, a lot of people think it's, it's, it's rules, regulations. It's simply this. It, it's acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for our sins and he was resurrected. And it's placing our belief, our faith in that truth. And it's confessing him as Lord of our life. And... and a lot of times we reduce that to something we say. It's a heart. The heart has to be connected. Now, notice I didn't say we have to understand all of that. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and there are a lot of things I do not understand yet. But I can tell you this. I know for a fact that I'm in Christ because I've placed my faith. I've placed my life. I've placed my eternity in the hands of Jesus as my Savior. 
And that's simply saying, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. And what happens is scripture tells us that, that in that moment, that there's a transformation that occurs internally, but also eternally in our life. And when I, when I have that true moment of confession, it's, it's not repeat these words after me and you'll be saved. Because we can repeat a chant and it does nothing for our heart condition. But it's when the heart truly connects and there, there's regeneration, there's new life, or you might have heard it as being born again. What happens is, uh, Jesus explained it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or what must I do uh, to have a relationship? Well, Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, how's that going to happen? And Jesus explains to him, spirit has to give birth to spirit, just as water gives birth to flesh. It's the flesh and we're water, most of us water. And so what happens in that moment when there's true confession, true repentance, a true humility in our life, then we are transformed. That spirit, the Holy Spirit gives birth to spirit in us. When you look at the Old Testament, you saw in the book of Exodus that the presence of God, the spirit of God, uh, presided over his people. So he was a cloud by day, fire by night. Well, it, when you look at the New Testament, this, this all changed in Acts chapter two, that he now inhabits us as his temple, that the Holy Spirit resides in us. And so when we are saved, we're born again, become a Christian, transformed, regenerated, however term we put with that new life coming in, spirit gives birth to spirit. And then we're called to live life in that spirit. We're called to live life walking in that spirit. And, and that's what I want to kind of lock into today because what I found is my power only goes so far. Last Sunday, I learned this. My willpower over Easter candy is not as strong as I thought it was. Especially when you put a Reese's peanut butter egg in front of me. I mean, that'll pull me out from a deep sleep. By the way, I told you I was going to take an epic nap last, last Sunday. I took two. I woke up, recovered, and went back to sleep. But that Reese's peanut butter egg drew me out. I was like, ah, but I could just smell it. And the, the, I like the big Cadbury eggs, but those just make me feel way too guilty because that, that's like a bazillion calories and fat grams. But I like the little Cadbury eggs. You know, the, they got the hard chocolate shell and like the, the, the thick chocolate inside and robin eggs. Oh, see, I'm losing it now, man. I'm getting hungry. I need some candy. Um, but what about sin? What I've learned is, is my willpower over sin only gets me so far. There has to be a power greater than me at work in order for me to accomplish what God has for my life. And here's what I've learned to be true, that God wants more from your life than you can possibly imagine. We tend to sell ourselves short on what God wants for our life. We settle into mediocrity. We settle into just a mundane life and that's not what we're called to do. So let, let, let's go through Romans chapter eight and we're just gonna do a few verses today because there's so much going on. But, but Paul starts it out, chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he, he's answering an argument when he says there is therefore. So therefore, we gotta look to see what's above it. So when I look above it, we see him wrapping up chapter seven that we taught a couple weeks ago. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, 
Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I'm exhausted from this battle. I am tired from from just fighting this all the time. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve God, serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He's not talking about a duality of, of, of a split personality, but then he goes on seamlessly. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is I'm exhausted and I'm feeling condemned. I'm feeling the pressure, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling, just, I'm feeling beat up because I, I can't live up to this standard. I'm exhausted from this fight of knowing what I should do, but I don't do it, and and knowing what I shouldn't do, and I keep finding myself caught up in that, and I'm exhausted from it. And Paul brings us some peace. He brings us some relief, and he says, "There's in Christ, there is no condemnation. So if our faith, if our life, if our hope, if our trust, if everything we are has been placed in Jesus' hands, he says there is no condemnation. Jesus has made a way and paid for it for us to have a free relationship with him without the condemnation that we feel. Let me explain to you what condemnation is in in context of this. It's a damning accusation. And the condemnation, the sentence that we're under is death. And so that condemnation means out of Christ, if we're not in Christ, then yes, we will feel the condemnation and we are condemned. We are under condemnation. But in Christ, that has been paid for. So how do we live in this truth? Let me help you understand something. Um, When we're in Christ, we're free from condemnation. But let me tell you what I do experience. I experience the conviction of God. Because when I find myself struggling or or find myself failing to live up to the glory of God, here's what happens. I start feeling the guilt. And here's what happens. Here's how you determine what the source of that is. It's either gonna be conviction or guilt. Guilt. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit where where he's going to lead us into that repentance of of saying and teaching us and so carefully walking with us going, hey, you know what? This is holding you back. What you thought was freedom is a a chain and this is holding you back. And he, he starts to bring that just light conviction in our life and he says, but I wanna I wanna help you deal with this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get past this. That's from the Holy Spirit, from the enemy. He's gonna heap guilt. And what does that look like? I can't believe you screwed up again. How could God love you? Because look, I mean, you you keep praying and asking for forgiveness for the same thing. I mean, God's gonna hit a limit at some point, and we start hearing this lie of the enemy instead of the truth of the word of God. And what happens is we we need to realize the source of that input. The truth is 
that those who are in Christ, we do not face that condemnation, that our hope is secure, our eternity is secure, our past is secure, our present is secure, and our future is secure. And when we face those feelings, we need to understand that there is no condemnation because the Spirit of God dwells in us and enables us to do that, and that's the power that we have to submit to so that we can live that life. And then he goes on, verse two. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law. Did I say that right? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So what he's saying is, not only do you have no condemnation, but there's a a freedom that happens in our relationship in Christ. In Christ, we have freedom from sin and death. A couple weeks ago, I explained to you about this idea of a law that it has to be true every time. So when tested, it proves the same every time. The law of gravity on the face of the earth, if I step off this platform, I'm going to fall. That's going to hold true every time. No matter how much weight I lose, no matter how much weight I gain, no matter how light I think I am (coughs) or how heavy I think I am, every time I step off, I will fall. It's a law. There's also the law of sin and death. Scripture teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Every time, it's a law, every time, sin brings death. We see in Scripture that it'll bring physical death. Most of us, because we're still sitting here breathing, our sin has not brought physical death upon ourselves. It's brought spiritual death. It's brought an emotional death. There are areas in our life, there are relationships that because of our sin and our past are dead. And it holds true every time. Sin produces death. And Paul says we've been set free from that to the spirit, to the law of the spirit which brings life. So every time sin brings death, there's also a law that holds true and it's the law of the spirit that every time the spirit brings life. And here's what that means is I'm free not to live in sin and death, but I'm free to live in life through the Spirit. In Christ, we have the freedom not to sin. Now, I can say that, and I still struggle with sin. You still struggle with sin. We can all agree we still struggle with sin. But what Paul is teaching us here and what what God is trying to help us understand is that when you live in me, you have freedom not to sin. I mean, think about this idea of freedom. Uh, I'll I'll step back to my my teenage days. That, you you know, when curfew, you have a, a set curfew and then you prove yourself and the curfew gets extended a little bit and you're like, oh, I've just, yes. Till 11 o'clock, I am free. And you manage that well and it gets moved to 1130. You're like, yes. You're calling your friends. I can stay out to 1130. What that means is you're taking all your friends home that got to be home by 11. Um, Like, sweet. I can hang out with you till I got to be home. So you drop me off and then you get home in time. But this idea of freedom becomes contagious. We want more of it. We want more freedom. I mean, think about us as a teenager um, that when we start experiencing these freedoms, we want more freedom. 
I mean, you're sitting in school, and, and all of us, you can remember this. It doesn't matter how far away from high school you are. You can remember this sitting, I just can't wait to be free from this place. I would not want to go back to high school because of all the crazy stuff that goes on and the social pressure. I could not handle myself as a teenager again. But I'm going to tell you something. I miss those days where you get the summers off. You're done by 3.30, and your biggest stress is, a, is, is the quiz, right, and the test. Man, I, I miss that. I miss that. I'm just going to say that. Those of you who are teachers, I love you because you get summers off. You deal with a lot during the year. You deal with more in the nine months that you got to work, and you deserve that three months off. But when we start getting taste of freedom, we want more of it, and it changes our appetite. And so what happens is, and, and I'll just tell you, this holds true in my life, I start to lose my appetite for the sin that I kind of kept as a pet sin that I was like, oh, I find satisfaction in this. Well, through the law of the spirit, which brings life, that life overcomes that death, I don't, my desire for that goes away. And there are some that, that when I got saved, there are desires that went away just like that. And there are some that I continue to have to take to God and say, I, I need freedom in this area. I need continued freedom and I wanna walk in this freedom. And what happens when we start experiencing that, we're like, I want more of that. I want more of the freedom. So we're not looking at being in Christ of, oh, I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this. It's I have freedom. I'm not in bondage to any of this. And then then he goes on, verse three and four. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there's, there's, it's not a dual personality. I mean, I have the flesh, and this is what my desire is, that is not anything for God. And then there's the spirit in me, whose desire and, and his only thing that he's able to accomplish is to glorify God. And he does that in my life, through my life. And he says, I'm not going to let you not glorify God. Everything the Holy Spirit does is to glorify God. Everything the Holy Spirit does is to make Jesus clear, the cross of Christ clear, and to bring glory to, to, to God and to work for our benefit. And what Paul's saying is, you thought this list of regulations, the law, could get you there. Remember we talked about the trap of thinking we can become righteous by following the list of rules, by following the law, the thou shalt not, and it just leaves us empty. What we need to realize is that in Christ, righteousness has already been fulfilled in us. The righteous requirements of the law have been fulfilled in us because we are in Christ. He fulfilled the law. If I'm in Christ, through him, I fulfilled the law. And we don't start living by this list of rules and this list of regulations. This is where Paul teaches us that you're not under the law, but under grace. And so we start to live this way. And what's interesting is how Paul ends that verse when he says, you have to walk in the spirit. And I I thought about that. And we were talking about that in our time as, when our pastoral staff was talking about this teaching today. And it was like, you know, how great would that be? You know, you just, you come out with a thundering message. And you're like, you know, Jesus has fulfilled everything. That in Christ, you have no condemnation. In, fr- in Christ, we have freedom. In Christ, we have uh, the righteous 
has been fulfilled. And the way you do that is walk in the spirit. Have a great week. And you're walking out like, say what? I mean, I explained to you earlier how to be in Christ. And that's, that's faith, placing your faith in Jesus. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit? I'm gonna go through this. And for you type A personalities, this is not the list, okay? This isn't the five-step process to, to daily walk in the spirit and that you will experience the supernatural power of God and nothing will touch you. Because I know, cause you're gonna get back into that thinking that if I follow these steps, then I should be all right. And that's not the truth. These are things that we need to be, our life needs to revolve around that we continually do. As Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to wrap ourselves around this. And, and, and several weeks back in Romans, we talked about the concept of being in Adam or in Christ, that there is death in Adam. We're all born of Adam. He, original sin, because of him, we're born, we're born broken. We're born sinful. That's just the way it is. And then when we are reborn, we are reborn in Christ. And so God looks at the world and sees two people, those who are in Adam, those who are in Christ. And now for us who are in Christ, there's really, that, that, that's more of our position. And then God looks at us and sees our disposition. Are we in the flesh or in the spirit? So in order for us to walk in the spirit, there has to be spirit in us, which means we have to be in Christ. It's that relationship. It's not a religion. It's not regulation. It's a relationship with God. Here's the thing. The religion will just almost get us to Jesus. But it's the relationship that gets us to him. And not just gets us to him, lets us abide in him. And, and then there's the renewing of our mind. It's allowing our mind to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2, that as our spiritual act of worship, we lay ourselves as living sacrifices on the altar and we, we allow our mind to renewed, be renewed. We're not conforming to the patterns of this world, but we're being transformed by the renewal of our mind. So our, we're wired to conform. We're wired to conform to this set of world standards and this, the rules of the world. And the Holy Spirit's saying, but I, remember, that's the law. I've, I've, I'm wanting to transform you, and I'm wanting you to live a life that that's not gonna get you to, and, and that's not gonna be the list that you're gonna wanna follow. You just wanna follow me. What does it mean to renew your mind? Um, it means taking a different train of thought. Because I get thoughts in my mind all the time. You ladies get like billions more than men. I mean, like, you're an information super highway, your brain. We're like country dirt roads, man. <laughs> and here's, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna break it down to the simplest level. I get a thought come in. It might be a temptation. It might be something. And I'm either gonna say, I'm gonna walk towards that thought. That's my dirt road, okay? Or I'm gonna say, I recognize that. That's not healthy, and you know what? That's going to lead to death. Ultimately, that's going to lead to sin. That's going to lead to death. So you know what? I'm going to take this road. And I'm going to take this road that leads to life because God, I, I, I see that that goes to death and I want to walk towards life. It's taking a different train of thought. Solomon told us in Proverbs that so a man thinks, so he is. So are we living by the flesh? Are we letting our flesh lead our mind? Or are we saying, God, what do you think? 
and we're asking him to fill us in our thoughts. How do we do that? We, we read. We read scripture so that we're getting this input. We listen. Now, I don't mean just listen to the podcast, which you can listen on thecreekfw.com. We load it up weekly. But I mean listening. Are you getting quiet with the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to God because he's speaking? He may not be in a booming, thunderous voice. It may just be the still, small voice. But he's speaking to us. Are we listening? Are we spending time studying? I mean, I I don't talk about this much, but do we memorize scripture? Because there's value in it. We gotta put it in so when we face life, it comes back out. And so we let our mind renewed. And then there's this submission to the Spirit. So to walk in the Spirit means we've got to submit to the Spirit. We, we want to follow where God is leading us. We want to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading us. This is Jesus in the garden when he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Because I want to do this, but, but Holy Spirit, I'm going to submit to you. Here's what this looks like. When Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.18, to be continually filled, it's the idea and the image picture of a ship, a sailboat, And what Paul is saying is, look, us, we have to raise the sail. We've got to be ready for God to fill us. And then we pray, fill me, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. So what happens is, as the spirit starts to move into our life, he starts to move us and we submit. Because here's what I I know. You can find yourself going against the wind and you're going to be fighting. But when you let him fill you and him move you, and some of you are thinking, am I in the right job? Is your sail up? Are you submitting to the spirit? Is he moving you or are you fighting him? We're getting ready to finish a year of school and we've got a lot of seniors in our church and you're praying about the college. Am I supposed to go? Which one am I supposed to go to? What am I supposed to do? There's all of these decisions. Is your sail up and are you submitting to the Holy Spirit so that he then can can lead you in the way for the life that he's created you to live. And then there's accountability in gospel-centered community. This is a tough one. This takes us beyond a Sunday mentality in our faith. And this is, this is kind of where Christianity gets messy. Because it means I'm willing to be vulnerable with other people. It also means I'm willing to be sensitive to the vulnerabilities of other people. I mean, there are environments that we have at the creek. See, the, the reason we set up these environments is so we can be vulnerable together, so that we can build that accountability, but build it in a gospel-centered community so there's gonna be truth and love poured into us when we struggle with things some very comforting words that you will hear at the creek are me too. And when we're vulnerable enough to say, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with this and there's somebody here that's gonna say, you know, me too. There's incredible power in that to walk in the spirit of God because he says, look, here, here's what happens. A lot of times when I wrestle and when I'm struggling in my faith, 
it's not so much God reaching down and supernaturally picking me up out of that and saying, here, let me, let me, let me fix you and set you here. Here's what happens. I'm struggling and someone comes alongside of me. And it's the high tide, low tide mentality. I may be at low tide in my faith. Yes, I struggle sometimes with doubt. I think we all do. And I may be going through one of those times where I'm, God, are you there? God, I'm just, I'm praying. I'm just not hearing from you. And it, sometimes it's deeper than that. And what I've found is when I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit, even when I face that, here's what happens. He's gonna bring somebody that's at high tide. Pick me up and say, let's take a walk. Come on, you can do this. Let me show you in your past where God's been faithful. You know, all the stuff that you're, you're, you're getting wrapped up in, let, let me help you see this. I mean, that's a good friend, right? That happens in that relationship and accountability of gospel-centered community. And then the fifth one is staying connected through prayer and the word. This is maintaining a living relationship. And, and, and I say this, and some of you are like, well, duh. Well, how many of us forget? How many of us can truly say that, that out of the last seven days, five of them, I read scripture. How many of us can say that out of the last seven days? Five of those days, I spent time in prayer. It's one of those basic Christian fundamentals that we so easily forget, and it's the first thing we let go. I'm challenged with this. And this isn't part of the step where you, okay, read, check, okay, pray. God, thank you for your word and help me have a great day. And man, good connecting with you, God. Love you, check. No, 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 no. If you're in the checklist, you've just missed it. Are we maintaining a living relationship? See, I can wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Heather, I love you. You look beautiful today. I can't wait for you to have a great day. And man, just have a wonderful day. Love you. I'm like, okay, I did that. Okay. She's gonna come home at some point and I'm gonna have to listen to her. Hi, baby, how are you? How was your day? Oh, mm, yeah, mm, oh I can't believe that. Mm, mm, what? Mm. Check. Boom, back to the remote. There's no relationship there. I can tell you, that's gonna go bad real quick. Some of y'all are like, help me, pastor, I'm there. I'll pray for you right here at the altar after service. It's maintaining a living relationship. So I, my, my question is, first of all, is are you in Christ? And if so, let's just, let's just get, get real for a minute. Let's do a little check. How are you doing with walking in the spirit? Because the Holy Spirit's gonna produce things in us. The Holy Spirit will produce fruit in us. The Holy Spirit produces gifts in our life. And I'm not saying that for you to chase fruit or chase gifts, but chase the relationship. Because I think every one of us can relate to Paul that we're exhausted from fighting these battles of I can't do anything right I know what I should be doing, but I'm exhausted. I just can't. Is there any hope? And for those of you who are in Christ, I want to ask you that when we pray, I want you to pray. I want you to invite. Just Holy Spirit, fill me. You may be in Christ, but you're an empty container in Christ. And ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Or if you're not in Christ, I want to encourage you that's the safest place for your life. That all the dreams and hopes and things you can imagine for your life pale in comparison to what God wants for us.
Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the truth of your word. And I thank you that you just don't leave us in this desperate situation. You don't leave us exhausted and, and, and trying to figure out how to do something right or, or how do we stop doing things wrong. And, and God, I thank you that you are an incredibly loving father that provided a way for us to live without the condemnation, for us to live in the freedom and for us to live as the righteousness of God. And that happens through Jesus. That happens because of the cross of Christ and that happens because of the resurrection. And Father, I just, I ask that if there's anyone in this room that has never put their faith in you, that they can truly say, I'm not in Christ that you give them the courage, not just to say a prayer, but that their heart is opened up, that it's done because you have opened their heart. You've opened their eyes and you've opened their ears and you've opened their minds and you've, you've allowed them to come in with an intellect and you want to transform everything so that they can have life. And I pray that because of that, we know that your word is true, that we are saved, that we are a new creation that we are in Christ. And Father, I pray for the condemnation that's under over their life to be taken away. And I pray for freedom to come into their life. And I pray that you help them understand their identity in Christ is the righteousness of God. And it didn't come because of how we acted. It comes because of who we are in. And Father, I pray for lives to be placed in Christ today. Lord, for those of us who are in Christ, I pray you fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power. Fill us with your ability to live lives beyond our imagination. Fill us with the ability to, to even handle the, the, the jobs and the families and the relationships that you've put in our, our life, to handle those in a way that, that bring glory to you, that aren't exhausting, but that bring joy. Help us through the power of God, to live the life you've created us to live. Help us to truly understand what it means to walk in the Spirit. And we pray that we decrease and you increase. We pray for an ability to follow you with everything we've got be that power in us greater than ourselves to enable us to do what you've called us to do, what you've created us to do, and you've called us to live. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.